God's word is holy and infallible. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Cuts even to the very bone and marrow, even to our heart and soul. And because God's word is holy, let's uh, stand together as we turn to uh, read Nehemiah 13. Nehemiah 13, if you're able, stand. And we'll read together verses 15 through 22. Hear the word of the Lord. In those days I saw in Judah some who were treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sacks of grain and loading them on donkeys, as well as wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads. And they brought them into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. So I admonished them on the day they sold food. Also men of Tyre, were living there who imported fish and all kinds of merchandise and sold them to the sons of Judah on the Sabbath, even in Jerusalem. Then I reprimanded the nobles of of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing you are doing by profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers do the same so that our God brought on us and on this city all this trouble? Yet you are adding to the wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. It came about that just as it grew dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut, and they should not open them until after the Sabbath. Then I stationed some of my servants at the gates so that no load would enter on the Sabbath day. Once or twice, the traders and merchants of every kind of, uh, of merchandise spent the night outside Jerusalem. Then I warned them and said to them, Why do you spend the night in front of the wall? If you do it again, I will use force against you. From that time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come as gatekeepers to sanctify the Sabbath day. For this also remember me, O my God, and have compassion on me according to the greatness of your loving kindness. Let's pray. O Father, as we look at your holy word, we pray that you would show forth your your greatness and your kindness and your love and mercy unto us, that you would help us to receive and believe and apply this your holy word to our lives, that we would show forth much fruit as true uh, grain, as true fruit of the kingdom. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. When you look at the church in America, and you look at our community, you might ask yourself, well, what do we need for spiritual revival? Now, some would say that we should look at the... Uh, church growth movement. Let's look at the church growth movement as a, as a way that we can have some sort of spiritual revival. And it's not to say that there aren't some techniques that could be used, uh, maybe using statistics and how to, to, you, to reach out to people in the community. But I think for a spiritual revival, we don't need such things as activity centers, gyms, wellness centers, things of that sort. Uh, maybe a bowling alley or a, maybe a theater or some other activity that bring people in. 
If you would ask Nehemiah what was needed for spiritual revival during his time, he would have clearly said for spiritual reform, we need to see about having the people of God keep the Sabbath day holy. Nehemiah was more than a wall builder. If you remember that the wall was built in 52 days with the help of Nehemiah from start to finish, but he stayed a lot longer than even just one year. Um, in chapter 5, it tells us that he stayed and served as governor for 12 years. And then later on, after a brief time of serving back again with King Artaxerxes and then coming back to Jerusalem, if you do the math of how long that period was, we know that Nehemiah served for over 21 years in uh, the region of Judah. But he did many great things. He helped with a lot of social reforms, or you could say spiritual reforms as well. One, he got rid of the practice of usury. Um, that some of the Jews were charging interest to others and were being unmerciful, and they were causing others to lose their properties. Some even had to sell their children in slavery. Well, Nehemiah stopped all that. And, but here we have, even after 21 years of the ministry of Nehemiah serving as this godly ruler, Nehemiah, a man after God's own heart as a, as a holy uh, ruler of, uh, of the people, he still had a problem with some sin in, among the people. And one of the problems here was regarding the Sabbath day and them not keeping it, uh, the fourth commandment, holy. As we look at today's text, a summary of what this text teaches is that you are to endeavor to restore the Sabbath rest in your life. You are to endeavor to restore the Sabbath rest in your life. We'll look at forbidden work on the Sabbath, a little bit of a historical view of what was the forbidden work on the Sabbath during this time, and then we'll look at the Sabbath rest being for today. The Sabbath rest is for today. Let's look at forbidden work on the Sabbath. Now, before we look at the forbidden work, we need to look at the word Sabbath for a bit. Uh, if you go back and you look at the Hebrew, the word Sabbath is probably more correctly pronounced Sabbath. There's no TH sound, it's just Sabbath. Um, if you look at uh, Genesis 2, 2, on the seventh day, God completed his work in which he had done, and then he rested. You could say he Sabbath. He took a Sabbath rest on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. So that's why we have in Exodus 20 the reason for why we keep the Sabbath day. It's because of a creation ordinance. Exodus 20, 10 and following. The seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. A Sabbath rest is not just a rest, it's a holy resting. There were different sorts of forbidden labor that were going on in Judah that Nehemiah was rightly upset about. We'll look at verse 15 first, how it mentions the making of wine. It said, In those days I saw in Judah some who were treading wine presses, on the Sabbath. 
I looked at some um, some interesting videos about how these old wine presses were made. It was basically a a piece of flat granite or stone where they dug a depression in that stone. They chiseled out a depression, and then they they somehow drilled a hole on the low end of that that flat surface and sloped all that grape juice to run out through that hole into a basin. So they actually were standing in a big, huge piece of flat stone on the ground and smashing the grapes, shredding it down with their feet. And then all that wine, would, all that grape juice would, would go down into that little, through that hole and drain into a vat and then they would make wine from it. But people were treading on grapes on the Sabbath. I guess, uh, depending, I, I don't know how clean their feet were, but it probably helped with the fermentation. Um, but notice what other people were doing. They were hauling, buying, and selling goods. And this was something that was done not only by the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. Let's first look at the Jews. It says that the Jews were selling and transporting food in verse 15. It said in, in Judah, Nehemiah saw some who were bringing in sacks of grain and loading them on donkeys as well as wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads. And they brought them into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. So I admonished them on the day they sold food. Gentiles also brought in food and other merchandise. Verse 16. Also men of Tyre were living there who imported fish and all kinds of merchandise and sold them to the sons of Judah on the Sabbath, even in Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah was opposed to this practice. And look at how he first talks about it being a transgression of the fourth commandment. Uh, look at verse 17. Then I reprimanded the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing you are doing by profaning the Sabbath day? He said that it was evil and profane. Now this word here in Hebrew for profane could also be translated as defiled or defiling. Um, something that's defiled, it's, it might be pure and clean, but then later on it becomes into a state of being spoiled. Um, you can imagine a brand new, clean, white church building, and someone, some kids or some, some vandals in the neighborhood in the middle of the night go and they, they say, oh man, look at that pretty white church, let's go, let's go spray paint it. And they spray paint it black and red, and you put all kind of, perverse words on it and perverse images on it, you might come back that next morning and go to church and you might look and say, man, this church building is defiled. It's been, it was meant for something beautiful and holy, but it, it's made to look nasty and gross. But if I was part of that congregation, I'd still worship the Lord because what matters is the, the heart of people. But that just gives you a little bit of an image of what a defilement would be. But that's kind of what happens with the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is intended to be something holy and pure. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. We desperately need a day to lay down the burdens of this life and the work of our hands and our minds, our bodies. Lay down those burdens and take a day of spiritual rest. 
a day, not just of rest, but a day of worship and rest. Um, we ought to do that in private, and especially to do that corporately or together as God's people gather together. Now, because God is all glorious, God is all holy, all good, all merciful, all loving, shouldn't you give him praise and thanks? And I would say that one of the greatest sins of the unbeliever is that God is God created them, God offers them love and mercy through Jesus Christ, yet they tell him, I don't want it. You can have it. You can take I don't I'm a I'm just gonna leave it. I don't even want to take it. I'm a you can have it. That's a gross sin. But for God's people who are called according to his name and who have received Jesus Christ, when unnecessary work or unnecessary activity get in the way and prevent us from going to church and worshiping the Lord of glory, it profanes the day and the purpose why he gave you this holy day. He gave you a holy day for your good. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Nehemiah recalled the historical consequences of profaning the Sabbath. Verse 18. Did not your fathers do the same so that our God brought on us and on this city all this trouble? What trouble? Siege. The walls being torn down, the gates being burned with fire the death of many, many of the Jews, uh, many taken into captivity and living as slaves. Um, and then he goes on, he says, Yet you added to the wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. Sin has consequences. We must remember that sin has consequences. That, and the consequences for sin is not just for the Israelites back in the days of Nehemiah. There are consequences for our sin as well. God took them away they did, because they did not value the holy temple. They did not value the worship God had for them. Instead, they did other things in worshiping the God of glory. So what did God do? God took away that temple, even every stone from one another, and then he also took them away to a foreign land verses 19 through 22 Nehemiah takes action to prevent this sin in Jerusalem look at that action that he took there in verse 19 and following it came about that just as it grew dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath I commanded that the doors be shut and that they should not open them until after the Sabbath then I stationed some of my servants at the gates so that no load would enter on the Sabbath. Once or twice the traders of merchants of every kind of merchandise spent the night outside Jerusalem. Then I warned them and said to them, Why do you spend the night in front of the wall? If you do so again, I will use force against you. From that time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. And I commanded the, the Levites that they should purify themselves and come as gatekeepers to sanctify the Sabbath day. This is this reminds me of the Blue Laws. Now, if you're not familiar with the Blue Laws, especially young people, the Blue Laws are laws that existed in the United States, in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and Norway. And um, 
if you, there's an article about it even in, in Wikipedia if you want to look, up, look at it some more. But it said that the United States Supreme Court said that blue laws were constitutional. And it cited some good reasons why. But one of the main uh, reasons, or two of the main reasons, is that the blue laws helped to increase the social stability of the, basically the, the stability of society. Another thing they said was that it guaranteed the free exercise of religion. Now, if you're having a hard time finding a job, and maybe your skill set is working in the restaurant industry, you're going to have a hard time having the free exercise of religion on, on Sunday if, you want, if that is what God has called you to do. You might very well have a, a tremendous time finding a job because of the way that this society is structured and people not guaranteeing their workers a freedom of exercise of religion to worship the Lord because it's more important that people have fast food on Sunday. Now, my question is, this was all what was said and done regarding the Sabbath day during the, the time of Nehemiah. What about today? Has this been done away with? And my answer is that the Sabbath day is for today. God's answer from His Holy Word will tell us that the Sabbath day is for today. It's very fitting that I ended up hearing a, a radio show just this past Friday. Um, it was on December 9th of twenty. 22 this year that I heard a radio show on American Family Radio and it's uh, by a, a married couple and it's called Airing the Addisons and this married couple go on and they are basically given these reasons of why we shouldn't tell people that it's a sin to disobey the fourth commandment of, with great emotion and citing that our answers are from Holy Scripture this is why we should teach people it's not a sin to transgress the fourth commandment and this is what argument they use. They looked at Hebrews 4. And I want us to look there. Let's, let's turn to Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 and an 8 and following. It says, For if Joshua had given them rest... He would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall. Now let's examine a little bit of this passage. It talks about Joshua and I believe Joshua was a type to come of Christ. He was a type of Christ. And of course, his name is Yeshua, which also is the name of Jesus, Yeshua. Uh, Joshua led the Israelites into the Promised Land, and they did get a measure of rest. But after the death of Joshua and those elders who knew of Joshua, the people went into oppression because they fell into the hands of the surrounding pagans. If you want to look, about that, look at that, look at the book of Judges. Um, but this, the hosts on this uh, AFR, American Family Radio Show, they said, they, probably this is, the, this is the shortest way I've heard this argument. They said Jesus 
is our Sabbath rest. Now, because Jesus is our Sabbath rest, there's no longer a Sabbath for us to rest upon or to have a Sabbath rest as according to the fourth commandment. Well, one of the problems is that you, you would say that God now doesn't have ten commandments. He only has nine commandments. So every time we read the law of God from Exodus or Deuteronomy, I'll just, I need to start skipping those verses, don't I? Because that's no longer in existence. That, that commandment is kaput. It's gone away. Because, uh, as they would say, Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Now, of course, eternal true rest only comes through Jesus Christ. However, the AFR couple was in error to say that the Sabbath, it was only to typify or to prefigure Christ, and it's done away with totally. And by the way, if, you, if you're interested in studying this a little bit more, um, John Calvin actually had a little bit of a strange view on this as well. Um, but you know that the vast majority of the Westminster Assembly did not take the position of John Calvin. That's why we have what we have in this Westminster Confession of Faith as a more Puritan view of the Holy Sabbath. Um, when people ask me if I'm a Calvinist, I would say, yes, I'm a Calvinist, except regarding the issue of the Sabbath. I'm a West, I, I agree with the Westminster Assembly. But it, a passage that I want us to look at for an answer, if you, it's in your outline, or if you don't have an outline, you can just look at Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. This gives us an answer. So they, to argue from Hebrews 4, that Jesus Christ is the Sabbath rest and there's no longer a Sabbath to celebrate because of Jesus. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What basis does the author of Hebrews have in telling us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together? I would say it's a transgression of three commandments primarily. First, second, and especially the fourth. First commandment, you shall not have any gods before me, God says. Well, if you say, well, I don't want to go to church. I want to do what I want to do. Well, you made yourself God. And you also made yourself an idol, so that's the second commandment as well. Or if you say, I don't want to go to church because I want to go fishing, or I want to polish my bright red car, then that's your idol that, that you love more than God. But this is especially a transgression of the fourth commandment. God says the day is to be kept holy. But I, if you do away with the Sabbath, I don't see why there's really as much reason for Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And the reason we have God's law, God's Ten Commandments, written on stone is because, as the, the Westminster Assembly said, that the moral law abides forever. Ceremonial law, done away with. The judicial law of Jerusalem, done away with, except for what they call general equity or application, uh, reasons for application. Uh, however, the moral law, which includes the Holy Sabbath, abides forever. It was written on stone. I'm not going to look at all of these, but in your own reading, I do want you to look at all of these, but we're going to just look at only one for time's sake. Look at the back of your hymnals to page 972. Page 972. 
Well, I can't do one. I, I got to do two. All right, 59. If you ever wonder why our Sabbath is on the first day of the week, uh, 59 says this, Which day of the seventh hath God appointed to be the weekly Sabbath? From the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ, God appointed the seventh day of the week to be the weekly Sabbath, and the first day of the week ever since to continue to the end of the world, which is the Christian Sabbath. In other words, the Christian rest. Verse, um, verse 61 uh, what is forbidden in the fourth, actually verse, we'll look at uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism 60. What is the, how is the Sabbath to be sanctified? The Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day, even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days. And here's the key part for us. And spending the whole time in the public and private exercises of God's worship except so much as is to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. Our session pleads with you to seek to follow Hebrews 10, 25 and following, especially not forsaking our own assembling together. We have two worship services because we believe that this is God's Sabbath day. He doesn't just give us a Sabbath morning. Again, we're supposed to spend the whole time in the public and private, public and private exercises of God's worship, except so much as is, as is taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. Now, if you think about it, just that is partial of what the Westminster Confession um, and Catechisms require. Some of us are so busy doing other things that are not deeds of necessity and mercy that we can't come to worship morning and evening. And if you're so busy to not be able to worship, maybe you're too busy. If you have assignments to do on Monday and you're in school, try to get things done on Saturday. Because God is worth it. God is worth it. What do we need for revival in our land? I believe one of the key things is a revival concerning preaching. A revival concerning us being a people who endeavor after new obedience. A people we're not saved by obedience to this command or any other command, but God calls us unto good works, as mentioned in Ephesians 2. And it is a good work to worship the Lord. It's a pleasing thing in God's sight when you seek to worship Him with a sincere heart. Yes, the Sabbath is still for today. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But let's try to spend the whole time of this Holy Sabbath, this wonderful, blessed gift from God in public and private exercises of God's worship. Let's pray together. We ask our blessed Lord that you would help us to heed your word, to not just be hearers but doers. We pray that you would help us to find ways that we can spend more time in the public and private worship of you, our glorious God. Help us to find ways even outside of church to fellowship with Christian friends, to fellowship with our Christian family. We pray that you would help us to find ways that we can encourage one another 
Help us not to commit the evil sin of profaning your holy day. Forgive us of our sins, and Lord, help us to worship you, and help us, we pray, to embrace Jesus Christ as only he can offer unto us the cleansing of our sin. Forgive us of our many sins, and help us to embrace Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and rose for us as well. We ask these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. For our hymn of dedication, we'll turn to 152. Safety through another week, God has brought us on our way. 152, let's stand and sing.